Alright, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Iglap. Of course, it's me, your host, Paolo. And today's episode is very special just because we have another presidential candidate here who will be able to discuss more about his platform, his, his self, and what they and their plans for the country, right? And their beliefs and all of these things. But before we get to our guests, I would like to thank our sponsors for today's episode. So, Thank you always to Swagat Indian Cuisine for always sponsoring us ever since season one. Thank you to Derm Nature and thank you as well to Massimo Manila. Guys, uh, as much as possible, let us support local brands, local products as much as possible. Uh, you know, just so, so that we can support small businesses in general. All right. So today's guest is a presidential candidate. And I am very excited that he is here because, you know, we get to know a bit more about him and about what he wants to to do for the country and how he's going to help the country you know if he is elected for president so my guest today is a cardiologist an economist a lawyer a board top notcher and of course a presidential candidate for the 2022 uh philippine elections welcome to iglap for the very first time Dr. Attorney Montemayor. Sorry, Mr. Montemayor. How should I call you? Doctor or attorney or Mr. Hey, Dr. Doc Joey Wildo. Dr. Joey Wildo. All right. Well, I'm so glad to have you here, um, Dr. Joey. So why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself? How about stuff that people may not know about you? How about we start off with that? Well, uh, you can call me Dr. Joey uh, Montemayor. I am a practicing internist cardiologist. Uh, I am an interventional cardiologist also. And at the same time, I am a practicing trial lawyer, uh, litigation lawyer, uh, specializing in especially criminal law. Uh, also, I am an economist. Uh, I also, uh, I am an author of a lot of books, medicine law, criminology, even economics books, uh, as well as a professor in universities in Metro Manila and even outside Metro Manila. Uh, well, uh, I, I am running um, I am running for president uh, because these, uh, these are abnormal times uh, and we have a medical emergency. Uh, we are still in the pandemic and I am the only doctor running for president. Uh, of all the 10 candidates, I am the only doctor. I am also a lawyer, uh, and also the impact of COVID uh, is on our economy. So I covered all areas uh, so that we can approach the problem in the Philippines in a holistic manner. All right, so I wanted to ask you, where did you find the time to to become a doctor and a lawyer? Because you know, a lot of, it takes a lot of years to study to be either, right? So where did you find the time and the resources to be able to accomplish that? Well, I am a, uh, I am a scholar. I, I don't, uh, I, in my formal years of education, uh, I don't follow the regular schedule. Uh, usually I, uh, I am accepted in some of the classes. Uh, and in my specialty at St. Luke's <clears throat> for cardiology, I started my law degree. So uh, then after that, I, I did my MBA also at the University of the Philippines and also some PhD in other universities. I also had my Master of Law, International Law at the Ateneo University. 
Well, crazy. I mean, you know, you're probably one of the few people in the Philippines who is a double degree holder and also, you know, both a doctor and a lawyer. So that's really um, amazing that you're able to find all the time and, you know, energy to do all of that because, of course, you have to study for a very long time. So I wanted to get a bit to know you more before we get to the formal side, right? What made you decide to first become a doctor, then later on becoming a lawyer? Well, these are planned. Uh, I planned it. Uh, I planned this uh, as a preparation for for running for president. You know, uh, it is not enough for you to be popular. Uh, for example, you are a popular boxer. You are popular because you are the son of uh, the late dictator. Uh, and because maybe you are popular because your husband died. Uh, your popular husband died. Uh, well, in my... Uh, in my situation, I really prepared. I really prepared for the presidency. And I think this is the proper time. This is the appropriate time for me to uh, run for president because we are in the pandemic. We have uh, we are in the health crisis. Uh, and also rampant uh, criminality and corruption. Uh, also, uh, the impact of COVID uh, uh, can be seen in our economic uh, situation. So I think uh, I have all the necessary qualification uh, to become president of the republic. All right. Um, so to our viewers, thank you for that, uh, Dr. Joey. So here's how we're going to do it. We have five categories for tonight's episode. So the first category is debate and media appearances. The second one will be about healthcare. The third one will be societal and economy. The fourth one will be on religion, and the fifth one will be about Doc Joey himself. All right, uh, Doc Joey, let's start. So my first question for you under the category of debate and media appearances is, so in the last presidential debate, which was organized by Comelec, you had a strong stance against the IATF, and you even said that it should be abolished. But Senator Pacquiao said that it is still, you know, it is still good, but when the time comes and you see that the people who are sitting there are unqualified or not doing the job, then you can just simply change them, right, and put the proper people. But the thing is, though, um, would you consider the suggestion or, of Senator Pacquiao or would you just simply abolish it? No, uh, IDF must be abolished. abolished. You know, it is an interagency task force, meaning it, it has temporary nature. Uh, now, uh, IETF was uh, established to address the cases in our medical emergency like uh, COVID. Now, uh, the people who are sitting there at the helm are lawyers. You have Attorney Bello, Attorney Olalia, Attorney Nograles, no, and other lawyers and doctors are only in the lower position, so so that uh, people are not knowledgeable how to tackle problems in healthcare, especially healthcare crisis. Uh, so that this uh, they cause a lot of uh, troubles, especially lockdowns, severe lockdowns. Uh, that uh, that uh, eventually. Uh, eroded our economic uh, uh, development. And uh, it is also important uh, that the DOH by itself can stand alone, uh, not to be interfered with in its policies, because this is an 
uh, economic emergency. It's a health emergency. So that uh, people should not only be uh, uh, relevant to their position, but they are equipped with the necessary uh, specialization to tackle this kind of uh, problem. So people, uh, the, the, the people at the helm are, are uh, mostly lawyers and do not even know their, uh, their job. Uh, you see, in the Duterte administration, uh, also not only lawyers, but also military generals, they do not even know uh, even elementary uh, health education. They are not capable of that. And, you know, we are, uh, we are in, the, in the COVID, a viral crisis, a healthcare crisis. Uh, the people that must occupy the place, higher, highest place, are virologists, infectious consultants, epidemiologists, uh, and most of them must be doctors. That's why uh, uh, they caused the downturn in our economic situation. They, we have the longest lockdown in the whole world because of the policies of IATF. Uh, well, uh, the the trust of Senator Pacquiao is actually misplaced. He, he, he does not even know, uh, even at uh, even um, probably uh, a small degree on how a particular uh, healthcare committee committee must act in case of crisis or emergency. So, uh, Lord willing, if I will take over, I will abolish the IATF. Okay, so you, because in the last debate though, um, I'm kind of going in advance here, you said that they're all lawyers, then Escomarena corrected you and said that not all of them are, but now you're um, recognizing that there are lawyers, there are military, and there's also some doctors. Now, um, here's the thing. So the question being is, so you did mention that it's mostly lawyers and generals who are in the higher position, while the doctors are in like a minor role, right? So... Why? So you're saying that you would abolish it, but if you do become president, why don't you just turn it around in the sense that you put the doctors in the higher positions while you put the lawyers, the military men, etc. in the lower positions so that you could have, you know, your choice of viro virologists, um, you know, whatever doctors you want to put there, making the tough decisions while the generals and the lawyers could just be consultants. So would you consider something like that? No, uh, that is our band-aid solution. You just shuffle people. Uh, what we will do is to abolish that and we will empower uh, the uh, Department of Health, especially in the area of epidemiology and virology. You know, we have a lot of good people in the Philippines who are virologists and epidemiologists. Uh, we just have to give them the power necessary. We don't need generals. Uh, we will the generals uh, and the military. We will we will place them in the area where they are specialists. For example, uh, if there is a shooting war between us and China, then that is their place of abode, not not the kind of health committee that they occupy now. That is not their specialty. So I I will abolish that completely. Uh, I will empower the DOH to tackle everything. You know, we have a lot of departments at the Department of Health. We have uh, infectious uh, uh, department uh, manned by RITM, uh, Research Institute for Tropical Medicine. 
also the UPPGH Department of Infectious Diseases. We have a lot of epidemiologists and researchers uh, who can uh, who can also give us uh, good vaccine in the future. So I will remove military officials uh, in in this kind of uh, uh, health uh, health situation because they are that is not their place of work. Okay, so in summary, what grade would you give the IUPX so far in terms of your performance? On a scale from letter A to letter F. So A for, you know, really good and F for failing. Uh, can you repeat it? It's a little oh, bit choppy. So, sorry about that. So what grade would you give the IETF so far? Um, of course, letter A would be, you know, perfect performance, etc., etc., And letter F would be for failure. So what grade would you give them, the IATF? Well, failure, no? uh, it's a failure, Mark, because, uh, you know, uh, it caused a lot of trouble in the in the Philippines, especially their harassment to, pe to people who are not yet, uh, who do not want to be vaccinated. So e even the law that uh, uh, that actually established them, the 11525, uh, the first uh, issuance, they violated the, uh, them, themselves. So it, it is an utter failure as far as IATF is concerned. All right. So the next question I want to ask you, uh, Doc Joey, is, so you have made controversial statements in the past, you know, from the 15 million donation of Bill Gates to uh, Escomeriano's campaign, then later on in the show of Carmina in ANC, if I'm not mistaken, you said that it was told to you in the debate. You 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 said that you read it in news agencies, etc. Then in Carmina's show, you said that it was told to you. Then of course you also um, what do you said what do you call this? You also said that uh, people were commenting about you online in a positive light about the 15 million dollar donation of. Bill Gates to Isco Moreno's campaign. So I have three questions for you. So let's start off with the first one, with that basis, right? What is or who is the source of the information that you get from in general? Or you know, you it's, all, it's all over. It is actually 15 billion, uh, 15 million uh, dollars. Uh, Pion de Meros insinuated that it is pesos. How can Bill Gates uh, give pesos? Because he uh, is an American, the, the currency is dollars. So uh, if you will just research people in Manila, they eventually discovered that that is for toilet, and the, and 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 therefore the uh, and they researched that there was not, not even a single toilet. And you know, following that up again, there is uh, uh, they he did not dispute the. The divisoria, the selling of divisoria. Uh, you know, no. Uh, what uh, what caused the trouble with Carmina is that she insinuated on at the start of the of the interview that I am uh, peddling fake news. I told I told her uh, that she should she should research on that topic unless, of course, if ABS-CBN or ANC was paid. I did not say anything against her, uh, you know, uh, although she's part of that. I, I did not specifically mention their name. So uh, just like in 
in other cases, for example, the fact checkers, who will fact check the fact checkers? So uh, if you will just research, there is a truth in that. Because, you know, uh, I am a debater. I research every topic that I, that I say. So uh, a lot of trouble with uh, Iscomoreno because he did a lot of things that are not uh, normal. So even the 15 million, if you will just research it, research it 15 million. Uh, well, he did not say whether it is dollars or pesos, but I, I presume that it is dollars because it is Bill Gates uh, who actually uh, gave that money. Okay, so sorry, I just wanted to confirm with you now uh, before I ask the other question. Is it million or billion dollars? Well, uh, I I presume, I, I have said time and time again, yeah. I presume no, that it is because Bill Gates has no pesos. No, I, I understand I, that, um, Dr. Ray. Sorry, let me cut you off. But the question is, is it million or billion? I'm not asking about the currency. I'm asking million. about the I, I told uh, Pia and also his co that millions, not billions. Okay, so million only. Oh, but uh, if it is dollars, that, that would be a great uh, amount of money. Yeah, I mean, it, that is true, right? I mean, Bill Gates is worth $134 billion. So, of course, <laughs> yeah. a $15 billion would be like around 10%, which is quite big of his net worth. Then you'd have to question, um, assuming that that is true, right? Um, why would he would give 10% of his net worth to... No, 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 not, that's wrong. That's wrong. 15 million, even if it is dollars, it is nothing to Bill Gates. If it is, even if it is dollars, that is nothing. It is only 15 million. Uh, you know, Bill Gates is worth billions and billions of dollars. You know, it's worth um, um, 134 billion. Yeah. That, that's yes. The, um, and if we will give 15 million, of that is, that's not 10%. Because if you are referring to billions, uh, 10% of uh, 154 billion is actually 34, sir. It's already what, 13 billion. That's 10% of his money. So yeah. I am only referring to million only. And yeah. that's billion. Yeah. Actually, Dr. Joy, that's what I was saying. That, uh, that's why I asked you to clarify if it was millions or billions. Because like what I said, if it was billions, then you have to question why Bill Gates would give I know, sir. I'm not, I'm not trying to contradict you. I'm just confirming so that our viewers understand as well. Okay. So let, let's move on a bit. So you mentioned that it is 15 million and that, you know, when people did do the research, it was from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that they donated it to the city of Manila to make toilets and such, right? Yes. I mean, that, that's when you, when you do your research, that's what comes out um, in the different articles. That's what it says. But the question now here, sir, is um, we're looking at that amount of money, right? And when you look at all the press releases and where it comes from, you know, the different news articles and such, they say it's a donation to the city of Manila. But you said that it was a donation to his campaign. So here's my question to you. Do you think that it was a direct donation to his campaign that they hid under as a donation to the city of Manila? Or was it a donation to the city of Manila that he just decided to use for his campaign? That's the question. No, you have to look at the, the uh, omnibus election code. Uh, did not specify uh, 
the kind of, uh, for example, you whether you give in cash or in kind. Well, it has to be determined first. Uh, you cannot also say that it is not. Uh, for example, the, it is for the for the toilets, but uh, if if it is within the election season, uh, that is indirectly a donation also, which is, is we uh, all 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 donations, whether in cash or in kind, or whether the purpose is to aid in the election, or whether the purpose is indirectly, uh, it may not be related to the election, but it will help, uh, possibly help your campaign, even if it's only for toilets. That is that is actually uh, a campaign. That's also a campaign donation. It has not, it, it, even if it is not denominated in money, and, and if the purpose is for the toilets, but if the purpose is to promote your, indirectly promote your campaign, that can be uh, according to our election, uh, omnibus election code. No, yeah, I, I understand that. Thank you for um, clarifying that. But the question, sir, is do you think that, um, because my question to you was, do you think the Gates Foundation gave it as a campaign or was it or was it as a donation then the campaign of Mr. Moreno used it for the campaign? The, well, the, you, cannot, uh, make a you cannot make a conclusion on that unless you file a case and you file a case and you can, uh, you can investigate that. But, but for you to force me to make my conclusion, that is impossible. I just ask, you know, I am a lawyer. I just ask him if, uh, you know, I did not make any, uh, any uh, direct and forward statement. I am a lawyer. I, all, I just ask, will you also uh, return the money that was given by Bill Gates? That is my question. I did not make, I did not make any categorical statement uh if that is a campaign contribution then i am just that's why i told i told uh isco moreno that i am satisfied with this answer okay uh so going back sir so you know you mentioned that when you go do research and you'll find that out right if our viewers right now type isco moreno gets donation from found uh, bill gates foundation for toilets or things like that th that's what they'll see but I'm just wondering, uh, Mr. Uh, or Doc Joey, uh, where did you? Because of course, when you made that statement, oh, can we can we close that? Because you do not, you are not satisfied with my answer. Can we can we go to the other uh, points? Because I already explained everything to you. Uh, I think we we can go forward uh, because I did not make any conclusion on that. So you. Uh, uh, please go over the other and if you want to discuss that with me we can have lunch together so that i can but but uh pinning me on this particular point i already explained my side but i am just asking because that is a that is a forum that is a debate uh they, they allowed me to ask questions that is not wrong and yeah. you know even if you want to uh, know the truth then file a case okay well I would like to apologize for you know heating you up. The reason why I was you know just reiterating the question is this was oh, because I, I already explained to you everything, yeah. and you you are pinning me on this, looking for uh, wrongdoing on my part. Well, you are not a lawyer. I I, I think you are. Uh, we are not in the in the court. 
And I think you should satisfy yourself yourself with my answers. That is already enough. I think I right. gave the answers. Do, do not okay. do not give any hypothetical uh hypothetical situation. I already gave you my uh, my answers and you should contact yourself because you are an interviewer. You are you are this is not in court. All right, understood. Uh we'll just go ahead then uh Doc Joey. All right. So the next thing I want to ask you, Doc Joey, is so again, you get a lot of information in general, right? You get a lot of information with different, um, you know, in different issues and all these things. So but when you get these kinds of information about any kind of issue, the first question is, how do you fact check these? The information that you get for any kind of, um, you know, you know uh, I, I will not answer that because uh, I, I thought you will uh, ask me questions regarding my platform. That is not, uh, that is not directly related to my being a presidential candidate. I think uh, uh, there, there is no need for me to, to look how I fact check no? because that is a personal question. Can, okay. can we go? Can we go to the other topics, uh, not those uh, not related to the? Because I expect you to be like other uh, interviewers or people who want to know my platform of government, as far as, for example, corruption, criminality. So you are asking things that are not even related to the presidency. Well, um, Dr. Joey, before I do get to the next category, would it be okay if I do explain why I'm asking you these questions? I'm not going to ask you anything. I'm just going to simply explain why I'm asking you these questions. Then you can go to the next category if that's okay with you, uh, Dr. Joey. Okay? Okay. So the reason why I'm asking you these questions, Dr. Joey, is I'm not here to, you know, to pin you down or any of these things. But the reason why I'm asking you these questions is a lot of people when they view your debate performances and things like that, the things that they remember... No, that's already true. That that was on the first debate. We are already in the fourth debate and you are still on the first debate. So people yes, are, are already discussing new topics. So why don't we uh, delve on that? On okay, the- well, I tried to explain my side, but you, you didn't allow me to. So sure, let us go to the next category then. So the next category is on healthcare then. So based on the current administration's uh, response for the last two years, you know, for COVID, right? From the, la- from the lockdowns and the delayed rollout of vaccines, how would you rate their response? That's the first question. And if you were the president back then, what would you do differently? Well, okay. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, well, this is a very poor response. Very poor response. If I were the president then, I would have been aggressive. No? I will I will I will not put a general lockdown uh, all over the Philippines, but I will be selective in uh, in doing these lockdowns. For example, one area uh, has, has the, a very large concentration of COVID uh, COVID cases, then only that area. Not every not every not every place or all over the Philippines because that affected our economic situation. So, uh, what uh, I should, uh, if I were the uh, president, if I were in the shoes of the president, uh, I would have given also a right balance to our economy. Well, I will also, 
uh, of course, uh, my priority is how to treat this uh, COVID, uh, COVID cases, how to be aggressive, give vitamins, give, uh, uh, of course, uh, capacitate, increase the capacity of hospitals, the healthcare, uh, the health, the healthcare workers, uh, increase their budget, and I would, I, I should have, uh, I would have done uh, things that are uh, probably aggressive and radical, uh, not not uh, lax, passive, and reactive only. Okay, may I ask? Um, so you mentioned that you would do aggressive things, right, during that time. Uh, could you maybe name some of the aggressive things that you could have probably have done if you were the president at that time during the first year of COVID, which was 2020? Well, being aggressive is that uh, uh, you may you may have uh, you may have uh, built also uh, a lot of uh, uh, temporary hospitals for all uh, because uh, many patients died in the hospital because they were infected. Uh, they were infected by COVID also. Uh, they also, a lot of doctors died and nurses uh, because the government is in a panic mode. Uh, what I, why, uh, I would have uh, given a lot of isolation measures uh, so that infection will not spread all over. All right, so Doc Joey, um, if it's okay to, for me to ask for some specifics, uh, so because, of course, the government had their own way of doing isolations, right? They did um, hotels or they did, um, they transformed basketball courts into, you know, isolation centers, you know, things like that, right? Uh, sorry to press, but I'm just curious. So you mentioned that you would have your own isolation measures, right? So I'm just curious, like, what would you have done different in that aspect? Well, for example, in the uh, establishment of checkpoints, checkpoint, uh, well, uh, I would have uh, stationed doctors and nurses there, and already at the first instance that there is there is a discovery of COVID, we uh, we would have established a lot of tents uh, beside those checkpoints, so that uh, at the first instance uh, we will already check the contagiousness of the disease. Uh, not uh, bringing them to the hospitals because that will cause a lot of trouble. Uh, among those who are already con who are confined for other diseases and also uh, for the doctors and nurses in those places. All right. Now, with the current... Um, well, I'm not really sure what the government is doing as of now in terms of the pandemic, right? Because in 2020, it was a whole different ball game because I guess not a lot of information was out yet. 2021, maybe you could argue the same thing. But of course, in the latter part, more vaccines started to come and all of these things. But in terms of their current of what they're doing currently, right, in 2022, uh, how would you rate them? And you personally, let's say, again, you were president already, right? You know, back in 2010, or sorry, 2016. Uh, and you're kind of the last part of your presidency. How would you kind of um, continue on the the current your own response in 2022 if you're president back in 2016 so you mentioned that in 2020 you'd have different isolations and all these things but what would you be doing right now well there are two things uh preventive approach uh i will uh, build the immunity of the people you know it's not only the government but also uh, we will push for individual responsibility 
because we will no longer be going to a lot of lockdowns, you know. Uh, we will give a lot of vitamins. We will emphasize nutritious food and vegetables. Uh, that is uh, preventive, the, the preventive aspect. But uh, on the mitigation aspect, we will build more hospital, uh, hospitals. We will capacitate the hospitals. We will uh, increase the number of nurses and doctors and also give uh, the living wage, uh, well, probably a little bit higher salaries and also higher motivation for these nurses and also doctors. Uh, now, uh, uh, other than that, I, I will not do uh, anything much more because that is, uh, I think that is sufficient to control the infection. Okay, so you've mentioned in the past many times that you are against mandatory vaccination, right? So my first question to you is, uh, why are you against mandatory vaccination? Because the studies right now, right, that we get from the World Health Organization, uh, from Dr. Fauci in the U.S., etc., says that vaccination helps stop mutation of COVID. And it's because of people who are unvaccinated. That's why you have many different kinds of um, mutations, right, of COVID. So I'm just wondering, with all of this kind of information, why would we not be for mandatory vaccinations? Well, uh, the only benefit for vaccination is the severity, not the mutation. Because, you know, if people are doing a lot of vaccination, when the mutations crop up. So uh, the, uh, uh, the problem with the vaccines is that uh, they are still experimental. No, they did not pass the uh, third stage of uh, trial, and what they and they are still in the category by WHO of uh, EUL emergency use listing. They are still expe on experimental stage, and a particular, uh, you know, per se, I am not against no, on the medical side. But when you are forcing people to do mandatory vaccination, that is uh, overstepping the line uh, by the government uh, on constitutional freedoms. People who do not want, uh, well, people who want to be vaccinated, uh, we will do it for free. But people who do not want to be vaccinated, then do not force them. Because uh, people, they have uh, a lot of reasons. Some, they are fearful that they may die because of this. Uh, they, uh, they heard a lot of news about this. So, uh, you cannot make a mandatory one that is still in the experimental stage. That is, that is very basic. These are not like those medicines were already true on the even up to the uh, stage for trial. And they are already established as medicines or vaccines. But in the case of uh, COVID vaccine, they're still in what we call EUL. Even our undersecretary yesterday, Bergere, uh, she said that they are still dangerous. So, uh, uh, also, the, uh, you know, it caused a lot of trouble uh, lately because the son of the form, former undersecretary of health died because of uh, vaccination. So, um, that undersecretary who died, it was confirmed by like the morgue or something like that. That, that person died because of the vaccine, no other illnesses or anything. What's that? Right. 
So because, um, Doc Joe, you mentioned that there was an undersecretary, a former undersecretary who died because of the vaccine, right? That, that's what you said. So I just wanted to ask that that was confirmed by a doctor that it was because of the vaccine, not because of, let's say, um, some sort of illness that he or she may have had or something like that. It was really because of the vaccine. Well, although that is uh, that is the under investigation, but you know, in medical legal, there there is such a thing as proximate causation. Uh, mm. You have to uh, investigate. Is is that a direct cause of uh, uh, of uh, vaccination? Is is it related to the vaccination? Are there any other diseases that may have caused that? Well, from the exam, from that, uh, the nearness, the immediacy of the cause and effect speaks of proximate causation. Of course, okay. unless you do, unless you do uh, autopsy, you will yeah. uh, definitely. Okay, uh, so you could confirm that there is no autopsy done and they used, I'm um, sorry, what was the term again for, for that one? Sorry, I didn't get Well, it. I don't uh, know if there's autopsy. I, I still do not know. Yeah, sorry, the proximate, sorry, what, what do you call it again? Proximate, um... The, the okay, proximate causation. So, all right, understood. Got that. All right. But let's just say, so I guess in a medical standpoint, you're more, f not really fearful, sorry, but let's just use that word for now. Uh, because the vaccine hasn't really passed all the stages yet, right? And that you said it's still in the experimental stage, but it was just put for emergency use. So let's just put a theory here. Let's just say that, you know, many years later, the vaccine is okay. No side effects. It's approved all of these things, right? So as a doctor, you'd be okay with the vaccine in that aspect, but you're more against mandatory vaccination just because of people's um, freedom of self-choice, I guess. Is, is that basically it? As well, if eventually it will be proved, huh? uh, if, if, if eventually it will be proved that they are safe and effective, that there's no yeah. problem. But uh, what... What if the other thing uh, happened that they were proved to be dangerous, and also they are the direct result of uh, of uh, death and also uh, physical injuries? Well, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that probably takes a couple, maybe five years, or maybe even more, to see um, the effects of these. Probably. I mean, it also depends. All right. So. Well, that is speculation. Also, that is also speculation because. Uh, after five years, we can, we may not make a conclusion. Uh, Doc Joey, I'm just curious though. Uh, for a vaccine, right? You know, let's say people, are, let's say you know they're testing out vaccines, right? About how effective it is and things like that. What is the usual timetable for it? Like, how many years usually before they can say, "Oh, this vaccine is safe," "Oh, this vaccine has these kinds of side effects"? Like, how many years does that take usually? Well, it will depend on the uh, well on the kind of reaction because uh, you know. Uh, we have a lot of cardiac drugs. Uh, uh, we have also a lot of anti-arthritis drugs, which eventually, only after two years, they were found to cause death on patients. Uh, others, within two years or within three years, they were found to be safe. So, well, it depends on the kind of, uh, of study that you may that the uh, pharmaceuticals uh, have at this point but probably in three years they can already say if they are actually safe or not relatively safe because you cannot uh, you cannot say they are absolutely safe 
Okay, so minimum is three years, correct? Yes. Did you say three years? Okay, okay, just confirming. All right. So the next one I'd like to ask you is, so if you do become president of the Philippines, right, you mentioned that you'd want to empower DOH and all of these things. But my question to you now is, what would you change in DOH or how would you improve the Department of Health in general? Well, of course, uh, we have to remove those uh, corrupt people there, no? especially uh, those affiliated agencies like PhilHealth. We lost around $16 billion because of corruption. Uh, they have to be uh, in prison. That, you know, they, we, have, we, have, we have already pending cases against them. Uh, they, they have to be accountable of what they did. DOH, uh, a lot of corrupt people also. We have to investigate and to cleanse the department of uh, bad eggs. Uh, also, we have to, uh, I, I will ask the Congress to increase the budget of the health. It is only on the fourth position. Fourth position. Uh, education is number one. Uh, budget number two is, uh, is uh, the infrastructure. And then defense. Then number only DOH is only number four. Uh, yes, the budget, uh, the healthcare workers, uh, also uh, uh, to to uh, invest to also equip a lot of uh, rural health stations all over the country. Equip them with medicines and also. Uh, equipments. You know, a lot of barangay health centers, they have no medicines. They have no, no health equipments. So so that uh, people are, are storming in Metro Manila. They are going to Metro Manila for health care uh, because of a lack of uh, a lack of medicines and also uh, <clears throat> equipments. And you have a devolved healthcare system already. And yet, they are so much dependent on the central government. So my question now is because you mentioned that you would want to, to what do you call it, uh, give more budget to the DOH, right? So my question is, where would you get that budget from? Assuming you become president, right? Like, where would you get the money to increase the budget for DOH? Well, you know, uh, we have seven hundred billion. Uh, 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 they are devoted for. Uh, local infrastructure and we we actually lost a lot of uh, billions and billions of money because of corruption now uh, i will i will temporarily stop you know in the philippines uh they 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 will destroy uh, uh a road that is still good uh they will then uh they will they will uh, build it again. Then after six months, they will destroy again. So we th that is uh, their kind of uh, bread and butter uh, for corruption. Now we will put a stop on that, Lord willing. Uh, then uh, we will devote uh, probably 300 billion of that as an additional, uh, additional uh, budget for the healthcare. Okay, understood. All right, so the next question, Doc Joey, is, so aside from COVID, right, what other illnesses or diseases is the next biggest problem here in the Philippines? 
Well, you know, in the Philippines, we still have, uh, well, uh, very, we have to be ashamed to, uh, with other countries because we have a lot of malnutrition in the Philippines. And because of malnutrition, we are exposed to a lot of diseases. You, you still have diarrhea, you still have tuberculosis, uh, we still have dengue, especially this summer months and the uh, the advent of the rainy season. Uh, we 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 uh, we lose a lot of young lives because of dengue. Um, tuberculosis is still rampant in the Philippines, which is already gone from other Southeast Asian countries. Um, yeah, and also diarrhea and pneumonia. So still infectious diseases problems and gastrointestinal problems are still, still abounds in the Philippines. Sorry, could you give an example of gastrointestinal problems? Could, could you give um, some examples? Well, for, I mean, we, have, we have typhoid fever. We have typhoid fever. We have uh, diarrhea of all uh, of all sources, viral bacterial also. Uh, we have a lot here in the Philippines, especially rural areas. No? Another another thing that we still have in the Philippines are the parasites, the worms, ascariasis, the helminths, uh, and the robus vermicularis. Okay, and the one of the biggest factors on why people still get these is because of malnutrition, right? Um, so as present, how would you um, resolve this or how would you solve the malnutrition problem in you know certain areas where it's very rampant well well we have already the foundation for nutrition but the problem is that we are not equipping uh people to deliver especially we have a devolved health system uh what we will what we will do is to uh well information dissemination is, is good uh, second uh you emphasize also preventive aspect uh, because the impact of malnutrition will expose people. They made the, they will make people vulnerable to a lot of infectious diseases. So build their immunity, uh, also provide nutritious uh, food, food packs also, uh, cereals uh, which are rich in vitamins and minerals. I think uh, those are the necessary steps for us to do. Okay. Um, so in terms of those, no, like the nutritious food, the cereals, etc., how would you? Where would you get the the materials for these? Would you would you be getting them from small time farmers? Would you be going to big companies for these? How would you get these um, materials to make these kinds of food? Yes, we we have national and international. For example. Uh, in cooperation with WHO, they are regularly giving us the this necessary uh, vitamins, minerals, and even uh, nutritious foods. Not only WHO, but also with uh, international private, uh, private, uh, probably uh, non-governmental organizations, uh, of which they can also uh, provide us. Uh, uh, by means of donation with this uh, kind of uh, food and vitamins, minerals that we, we want. You know, uh, in the Philippines, uh, the, we, there, are, uh, there are a lot of companies, national and international, who are actually donating. I, I've seen a lot in the provinces, but the problem is that uh, the, the problem of 
uh, corruption and also pilferage of this in, in the barrios because only or local politicians sometimes corner this this kind of uh, important food vitamins and minerals only to those chosen uh, individuals uh, who are whom they are beyond them so uh, we will be aggressive in this we will uh, we will solicit a lot of this uh, from international and national sources okay the next thing i want to go to uh doc joey is so back in 2016 president duterte ran on a platform saying that he wants to you know get rid of drugs in the country right that was his main one of his main um platform promises all of these things so here's my first question to you do you think that the drug the illegal sorry illegal drug problem in the philippines was as bad as the administration made it come out well they overestimated it no number one they overestimated well we have a lot of drug problems in the philippines but uh the over emphasis of this uh, made it their their uh, their only structure for well for development uh such that uh a lot of extrajudicial killings uh, were also were also committed uh because they overdid what what is or uh what is only uh a pro it is only one of the problems in the philippines but the overestimation of this caused a lot of problems in the philippines like extrajudicial killings uh and a lot of uh a lot of uh budget was also committed in this and even uh, the president doubled uh the salaries of police to uh emphasize that uh, this is their main goal uh, as long as the third is the president even up to now uh the overemphasis in this kind of uh, problem uh uh produce actually collateral damage not only not only uh killing of people unnecessarily but also damage to property and even indirectly affecting our uh total situation in the Philippines. okay so in summary you feel that they overestimated it that there is a problem but it's not as bad as they made it come out is, is that a fair statement <laughs> okay now the next question i want to ask you is so generally speaking a lot of people who do support the war on drugs treat drug users not the sellers not the pushers but the users as criminals so my question to you is do you consider drug users as criminals or do you consider them as more of patients because there's that argument right well so drug, use, drug users drug addicts they are just uh patients they're victims uh even even the you know uh, drug addicts and drug small time drug users uh sometimes you cannot distinguish them they are actually patients no i will treat them as patients i will uh i will emphasize the drug solution as one with compassion and care uh this is not uh this is uh it is more rehabilitation rather rather than retribution uh that i will emphasize because uh dealing with uh by uh these addicts and also drug dependence 
uh, they are actually patients needing care, concern, and protection. Okay, so I'm curious though. So, you know, let's say you do win the presidency, right? And of course, you won't have a war on drugs in the way that the current administration has. Maybe yours would be like what you mentioned about compassion and all of these things. So how would you tackle the drug problem in the Philippines? I know you mentioned that you'd make it all about compassion, treating them as patients. But uh, if you could, uh, you know, uh, divulge to us. Uh, maybe some of the programs you would do, uh, you know, in a bit, in some with a, with some specificity, right, on how you would do them. Well, actually, uh, the the attention that must be given to uh, to the drug problem in the Philippines is one of rehabilitation. Uh, number one, you have to build a lot uh, of rehabilitation. Uh, for example, build this infrastructure to house them, treating them as patients. Do not, uh, never, never mix them with criminals because that is another aspect of uh, 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 the way you, you uh, the justice system in the Philippines. Uh, you know, uh, dealing with these uh, criminal addicts or even small-time uh, drug posers uh, must be one of uh, rehabilitation but you know uh, this is not a short term one so you have to build uh, infrastructure that is complete in everything dealing with not only the physical aspect of drug dependency but also psychological aspect uh, there are a possible mixing in the future with the society uh, with the normal uh, societal condition that eventually, eventually they will become beneficial to our society. So I think uh, because the, the kind of treatment that they get is that uh, even though they are the addicts, they are, uh, they are being killed by the administration in order uh, uh, to uh, for the police to have done something about this drug problem. So we will be the lot of infrastructure uh, for example, rehabilitation buildings, uh, rehabilitation uh, mechanisms, also uh, equipments necessary for their uh, uh, for their relief eventually, and also psychological, uh, emotional, psychological, and spiritual mechanisms to transform them in the future to become beneficial to our society. Okay, so I'm curious though, because you mentioned, you know, infrastructure and the proper equipment, right? All of these things. Uh, I think though, please correct me if I'm wrong, right? You mentioned that you would add maybe around 300 or 400 uh, million to the DOH budget, right? So would you be getting the, you know, the costing of the infrastructure, the equipment, etc. for the drug um, addicts from that budget of DOH? Or would you have like a separate budget for this? No, uh, I will. Uh, I will. I will uh, propose a budget uh, that will, uh, you know, uh, it is a separate form of budget because our drug problem is so huge. Uh, we have a huge problem. We have a very big problem, and you know, uh, this is not a short-term solution. It's a long-term solution that needs every year, probably three hundred to four hundred million. Uh, it will be. Uh, for example, uh, we, I, I will get that from a part from PIRL, 
part from DOH and part from DSWD. Uh, and because this has, uh, well, uh, this has uh, 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 internal security component, uh, I will get some from the police force, from the uh, from our uh, intern, uh, local government, interior and local. Yeah, so you mentioned that you'd give around 300, 400 million, correct, for the drug? Every program. year, yes. Every, yeah, every year. year. Okay, so I'm curious though, do you think that's enough? Well, that's not enough. Uh, of course, uh, we will ask uh, help also from the United Nations. You know, they, uh, you know, we uh, there are a lot of organizations also uh, that uh, they also deal with that. I think uh, they. I will ask for help uh, as far as this no, because this this is not only a national problem. That this is also international problem, and uh, the United Nations. Uh, is actually assisting uh, countries who have also this kind of problem, third world problems, and also developing nations. You know, uh, we will uh, we will uh, ask for help also. We will ask for assistance to all national and international agencies, and also from uh, EU also the ASEAN neighbors. If there is, uh, uh, if we have, uh, if we can. You know, uh, this little amount of money, uh, if you just sum up, uh, you can get a big amount uh, for, the, for the budget. Because, you know, even if you will get 300 to 400 million pesos, they are only, uh, you know, that's a very small amount in order to fight drugs in the Philippines. So I'm just wondering, though. So you mentioned a lot about, you know, going to neighbors, going to different organizations, right? Like the EU, uh, World Health Organization, etc. for money. So I'm just curious, do you, do you not think that we could raise that money internally, just maybe from different, um, you know, maybe taxing different things or things like that? I mean, you don't think we'd be able to do that ourselves, that we just have to go straight to, you know, these places and say, hey, you know, is it okay if we can ask for a donation to help us fight? Um, drug use or drug addictiveness or something like that. So yeah. Well, we uh, as far as taxation is concerned, we cannot do that anymore. We are already the highest in Asia as far as our taxation. No, but on oil, excise taxes on petroleum, uh, on our petroleum products, uh, create law has already been done for the corporations. We have, we already reached the ceiling of taxation. Now, uh, probably we can we can be innovative. Probably by having some projects, uh, special projects in the Philippines, especially sourcing them from the private sector also, because you know um, we need a lot of help uh, in order to address this problem because the drug problem. It's not only a one-stop shop problem. Uh, it is a continuing problem for every nation. You know, this is an international one. And even if we cut the lines on international suppliers, uh, still you you will you will uh, have a headache also on other local sources. So even if you will physically stop them, the kind of treatment that you give to these uh, drug users is such that it does not involve only physical dependency, but also psychological, and also uh, restoring them 
to the society uh, that they may be uh, beneficial or they can eventually go to work and become also uh, beneficial to our society. So, uh, well, we will do a lot of things, but taxing people again just for this. No, uh, I don't think... Uh, uh, even if you tax, maximize again the taxes, that is not enough. So we will... Uh, we will... Uh, uh ask for help uh, uh to other associations private companies uh other countries also uh united nations also other countries that may have been offering help uh in this kind of uh, problem, drug problem all right understood so we'll go to the next category which is societal and economy so my first question to you uh Doc Julius, do you think a purely capitalist economy truly works for the average citizen, or do you think it only benefits the 0.1%? So basically, do you think that a purely capitalist economy would, you know, will it work for your regular Filipino, or does it benefit more the business owner, the oligarchs, you know, the billionaires, etc.? Well, uh, yes, uh, uh, in a free market, capitalist uh, society. This more benefits those who are already in the uh, advantageous position, uh, such that uh, th this this will become a vicious cycle. Uh, it will run uh, like a circle. Only those with money, those uh, big capitalist oligarchs, will only be the one who will benefit uh, from a, a totally liberal free market economy. So, uh, well, yes, I believe, I believe, unless, of course, you have follow-up questions. Yeah, so my question to you is, if you do become president, how would you change that? Because you just said, uh, Dr. Joina, and I just want to confirm, just so that you know, we're all clear, that you believe that a pure capitalist society uh, will only benefit the rich. So my question is, if you do become president, how would you change that? Well, in the, uh, if we will let this happen in the next six years, the poor will become poorer uh, and the yep. rich will become richer. The gap, the inequality gap is so wide and the government must intervene. The, there are situations that the government must intervene. Uh, for example, the government must assist our agricultural sector. The poor must be given chance also because, you know, uh, this is kind of a cancer that is metastasizing to all the parts of the body. Then if you, if we will not, if the government will not intervene, uh, then this will just uh, run through and through. Uh, we have been having this for uh, almost 70 years uh, since World War II. And this just aggravated the problem. And it is not working. The the uh, that's why corruption is too rampant, because uh, in a capitalist society, the kind of uh, the kind of competition is skewed toward the, towards those who are already who have already the advantage, the, those who have the uh, uh, the built-in advantage of having the money, uh, they have the necessary they have the position in the government. They are senators, congressmen, you know, governors. Uh, they are 
already entrenched such that poor people have no more chance. Uh, they are they are not in a fertile ground to take advantage of the kind of economy or we call it free market economy. And the government must uh, intervene. Yeah, sorry. So I, I understand that, no, Doc Joey. But the question is, how would your government intervene in that aspect? Like, what would your government do? Well, of course, I will. Uh, I will be aggressive in well tax collection on the rich uh, because some of the rich they are evading a lot of taxes. Now, in, uh, in my competition as an economist, uh, I think uh, we are losing. We are losing uh, some three trillion because of the big families that are uh, that are uh, actually evading uh, a lot of taxes they are uh, bribing people in the, uh, in the revenue uh, there are a lot of land grabbers in the philippines uh, which can be uh, well if you will uh, relate this and look at the source these are the oligarchs so uh, well, not not to the point of communism, but uh, probably we have to control this no, before it will get uh, uh, into a very sad state. Uh, we will investigate every uh, advantage of the rich. Uh, of course, land uh, ownership in the Philippines uh, must be given uh, also priority. And also the taxes uh, of the rich, especially, uh, there are a lot of tax evasion in the Philippines by the rich people. Okay, so here's my next question now for, for that one. So, in countries such as you know Norway, Denmark, and other EU countries, generally they allow private ownership of you know telcos, uh, you know, uh, water, all of these things, right? but they do regulate the price so for example you know let's say you own a telco they'll tell you okay you can only charge this much and the internet speed needs to be at least this minimal speed right so do you think something like that could work in the philippines can you, uh, can you repeat it? uh the uh, very choppy okay sorry about that so here's an example right so you know in countries like norway and denmark the government allows um private companies to own you know telcos and other necessities right water etc etc but what happens though is and let's use telcos as an example okay so what happens is they tell the telcos okay you have to have um this kind of speed for your internet it has to be this minimum speed and maximum is you know whatever right but you can only charge this amount of money so in a way the government regulates that okay we have to have affordable internet which is fast for our people. So in your opinion, do you think this kind of regulation in the Philippines could work? Uh, yes or no? And of course, why? Well, uh, especially in the bad internet like the Philippines, we have already liberalized uh, telcos that, that were already passed, the Foreign Investment Public Services Act and also the Little Trade Liberalization. Uh, which may uh, which may uh, include 100% ownership of the court of the ten cost. Now, uh, the government also must step in. For example, in education to have, uh, to also participate in this. 
because uh, eventually these kind of companies will just work as a monopoly. Uh, even if you will uh, get a lot of players, that does not necessarily transform it uh, or reduce uh, the kind, the reduce the prices of internet or even make it faster because uh, it will be transformed into a, an oligarchic one. Uh, for example, even the gas prices, they only act as one, even in the presence of liberalization. So the government must intervene in such, uh, in such, in such instance. The regulation sometimes is necessary to control the uh, kind of business environment uh, because people will eventually be damaged by the kind of business practice or practices that this corporation has. Okay, so you do think that regulation is needed and that it could work in the Philippines? Yes, uh, we, we will have regulation also because uh, in a competing market, uh, you, cannot, you cannot have total liberalization and uh, allowing this, uh, these corporations, the national or international corporations, to drain uh, the uh, money of the people by being one in their action. Okay, so the next thing I want to ask you, uh, Dr. Joey, about that is uh, since you do believe in regulation that it is good right i mean at times there are situations that regulation is good when do you think regulation is not good for the economy well if there's too much regulation no? if the government is now dictating all terms that is not good also you have to be, you have to you have to strike a balance uh, between uh, uh what uh, liberalization and also uh, government regulation. Uh, for example, well, you may have liberalized the telcos, but we have to look also in the uh, the the kind of security that we have because you know uh, telcos can be used to uh, you know uh, to uh, check our defenses uh, by the other countries. Now uh, there are, you have to strike a balance. Only minimum government intervention okay so check a balance all right so my next question to you is do you support the movement of raising the minimum wage well yes but not so much that it, it will kill uh, the small or the medium and small corporations uh i am for raising minimum wage but not too much because we are still in the pandemic and uh, a lot of small companies suffered and some 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 already closed so yes i i am for the increase but not so much as to damage the small uh and the medium uh corp medium uh corporations uh, uh could you give us a number though and in, uh, in your mind like um how much do you think minimum wage should be you know things like that well, uh, the, in the in Metro Manila, they, we have already 500 plus uh, as the minimum wage, uh, and across the board we can we can get it plus 100 pesos. Uh, yeah, it may be that small, but we have, but if if our economy after one or two years recovered, then we can gradually increase it. We have already the tripartite uh, committee, the government, 
uh, the private sector and also the workers. Uh, uh, we can we can increase the minimum wage if there is it is already uh, a good environment to give the workers because now we are still uh, many corporations are still suffering from the effects of pandemic. Okay, so you'll make it around 600 something pesos for Metro Manila. Well, but probably 600, 680 pesos. Okay, 680. Okay, so 680 for Metro Manila. So the question now is would you support a movement that would give a general minimum wage all over the Philippines? Because right now, depending on your region or which provinces you, which provinces, sorry that you work in the minimum wage is different right some places it's 400 some places i think i think the lowest that i've heard is maybe 350 give or take so would you support the movement that you know let's say you do 680 for metro Manila, that you'd make it 680 for the whole philippines well you cannot make a hard and a fast rule all over you know several regions they have that kind of uh, you know we have different uh condition we have the different economic situation all over the Philippines. So I think the uh, NEDA or the National Economic Development Authority, uh, they have some parameters to depend on. For example, uh, for example, people who are uh, having the wage in Metro Manila, which of which the, the, the kind of living is a, a high, you know, high standard of living, cannot be equated to the people uh, we have only few expenses, for example, in the in the provinces. But if we'll come to a point that uh, the development is such that it is just the same, Metro Manila or in, even in the provinces, then they will make it equal. But unless and until the National Economic Development Authority determines the the many factors, you know. You just do not make it straightforward that every region will receive this. Not that it's not uh, fair because some are overworked, some are they have, uh, they have, uh, uh, the normal conditions of work. So we will. Uh, I am for uh, the most important priority is to provide them jobs. Now all those who are in the contractualization and job order. We, we will make them all regular. Okay, so you're also anti-contractualization um, then? Yes, I am anti-contract. I am for the security of tenure of uh, workers. Uh, upon assuming, uh, uh, Lord willing, the presidency, uh, I will put a stop on uh, ENDO, uh, the five months only uh, work. Okay, so but I'm curious though, um, Mr. Montemayor, sorry to press you on this one particular question, but you know, it's a very wide question and there are a lot of questions to it. So you're not in favor of having like a general, uh, what do you call this, minimum wage, right, all over the country with it, you know, because you said 680 for Metro Manila. You're not yet open to that just because some regions aren't that developed yet, right? I mean, not as compared to Metro Manila and maybe provinces like Papanga and such. But you would also be willing to raise also the salaries at least, right? Not to the level of Metro Manila, but maybe a slight increase. You'd be open to that. Well, uh, I will let NEDA to determine uh, 
we uh, who, what are these uh, who, where the workers are located of which the kind of work because the, we have to admit that uh, there there are different types of work there are different levels of uh, uh, work environment and also different kinds of people now uh, we have also uh, they can also identify uh, the kind of jobs some are overworked and the kind of wage there is so small uh, people who are on in the office uh, they they may have, be, have been receiving equal wages but they 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 just do the ordinary work so uh, for the meantime uh, well uh, we have to determine first the factors that are necessary in the determination of kind of the kind of wage and eventually i will be uh, I, I will be for the equalization of all wages uh, if we already recover in the pandemic as well as if we already have the kind of development uh, just like our ASEAN neighbors. All right. So the next question I want to ask you is, so you did also say that, you know, a lot of regions in the Philippines, right, aren't that developed in terms of, you know, the kinds of jobs that they have, the kinds of industries that they have, right? So my question to you is, as, if you do become president, what would you do to help, not exactly speed it up, but you know, gradually help the development of these different regions? Like, how would you get, you know, investment? How would you get companies to maybe open an office there? You know, things like that. I mean, we could look at success stories such as Pampanga, um, Baguio, right? Wherein before, those places were just simply vacation spots for people. But now, in Pampanga, when you go there now, you know, you have like these new buildings, right? That look like they can be from BGC. Um, there are condos opening up there. Baguio may not have those kinds of buildings, but that's more because of maybe the, the location, right? Maybe the structure won't be able to hold. But there are a lot of high-paying jobs there as well, right? So the question is, how would you maybe replicate what happened in Pampanga and Baguio to other regions in you know, the Philippines? Well, I, I am from Pampanga, and Pampanga is uh, very consistent. Uh, with uh, with the kind of mentality of the people, people are aggressive. People are competitive. Uh, even in our high school days, uh, uh, they always impress in us. Impress in us the uh, the kind of competition. That's why when we uh, when we studied in Metro Manila, we are actually uh, we are all scholars in our chosen field. Uh, I was born in Pampanga. I know the kind of aggressiveness. Uh, now, uh, we will stimulate the economy. Now, for example, we will decongest Metro Manila. Uh, the, uh, for example, San Miguel Corporation, Petron, Ayala, uh, they, can, can, they can no longer uh, maximize or even add their presence in Metro Manila. Uh, but they have to go to other places like Bicol, summer and later where the poor are and people who are originally from this place who are working in manila they have to go to the to their provinces so we have to segregate we have to uh we have to uh well give some incentives to poor regions uh to have that kind of infrastructure just like in Pampanga, no? uh 
ipapanga yung uh, ayala about a 10,000 uh, probably 4 or 10,000 land in Porak for development. Uh, uh, people, uh, you know, uh, the kind of politicians you have also, uh, because uh, some politicians, they do not even want to have a Jollibee or McDonald's in their place because some politicians want to control uh, the kind of business environment that we have. So a lot of radical measures that we have to do in order pe people in the Philippines will be like-minded in opening their uh, provinces, regions to a lot of development. Now, if you restrain people, uh, if you restrain people, especially the politicians, if you restrain investments, then necessarily your place will suffer. You know, uh, one example is Bulacan. Bulacan is very near Metro Manila. Uh, and it, it is it is nearer than Pampanga as far as Metro Manila. But Pampanga has its own development ever since. Uh, uh, it, it is, uh, for example, agriculture, number two in sugar all over the Philippines, number two or number three in rice. Uh, in, in fisheries, uh, we are uh, on the top three. Uh, in every sector, even education, we are on the top three. Uh, only the time uh, Pampanga suffered was only at the time of Pinatubo. You know, uh, when Pinatubo brought uh, a lot of damage to Pampanga, uh, Pampanga did not uh, wait for foreign investment or foreign uh, help, uh, unlike Yolanda. They, they waited for development from national. You know, people in Pampanga, uh, they, they, they themselves, no? Uh, work it out to make development available to all. So there, they did. Not, they even refused that their regional centers may uh, should not be relocated to Bulacan uh, because the regional centers are all in Pampanga. So with that, uh, the the first thing that we will do is to change the mindset of the people. People are so restricted in the, in their development. Uh, especially the politicians in their places, that they do not want their 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 place, their location, to be uh, uh, to be developed. So we have to uh, we have to liberalize even their kind of thinking in order for the place to be developed. Okay, so you mentioned as well that uh, big corporations, and you named a few of them. You tell them, hey, you know what? In Metro Manila, we don't want you to build any more buildings. We're too congested. So we want you to go to different provinces, right? Uh, first question is, how would you convince them to do so? Well, number one, give them tax incentive, uh, the big corporations, the top 500 corporations or top 1,000 corporations. We will give them incentive. For example, uh, the battling plants uh, in Pampanga, uh, by San Miguel and Coca-Cola, uh, please relocate to Bicol and Samar Leyte. Uh, we will give you incentives and tax, uh, for example, uh, tax deduction. Uh, and we will give you probably uh, uh, other uh, discounts as far as uh, their uh, their uh, being their investment to other places uh especially uh people will no longer go to, to manila 
they because of the attraction of the same company that they have uh, to their place of origin, then people will be given. We will not force them, of course, but we will give uh, that motivation to the people and also incentives to the corporation to relocate. Okay. Uh, the next one I want to ask is, you did mention um, some segregation, right? We're in people from, you know, let's just say Samar or something like that. You'll ask them, hey, you know, instead of being here in Metro Manila, um, we have some companies there in Samar, you know, why don't you go back home and all these things. Um, obviously, you're not going to force them, but how would you convince them to, to go back? The people, not the companies, the people. Well, of course, the kind of company they have, uh, they have to maintain, no? maintain the uh, the salary if if uh, what they are receiving in manila for example fifty thousand a month they will receive the same in in their province uh not only that we will give them uh, incentives of, as far as tax personal tax deduction uh and also well uh in their uh, in relocating them, we will also assist them uh, in relocation. I think we can do that uh, gradually, of course, uh, because they are already used working in Metro Manila. Uh, it is very difficult at the start. You know, uh, everything that you do at the start is always difficult, but it is not impossible. Okay, so the next thing I want to ask you is, so let's say, right, your president, Companies are like, sure, you know what, Doc Joey will go to these provinces, right? They open plants, um, offices, etc. Then the people who are from those provinces be like, hey, I can go home. I don't need to be here. I could just stay with my parents or maybe buy my buy my own land or whatever. But there may be another problem that will happen, right? So let's let's say that a certain number of people who aren't from Metro Manila, you know, leave because Shemper, they're from the province, right? So there will be a lot of condos that would be empty, whether it's condos or townhouses. I mean, people who own these properties, they will lose, um, you know, their tenants, right? So how would you help these people who are losing their tenants recuperate their cost of owning these properties that they're renting out? Well, you know, we, are, we have a bargaining population. Uh, pri prices necessarily will increase. No? Uh, I don't think they will suffer that, especially investments. Uh, people will retain all, also those kind of places because that is uh, that is not only uh, a living place or an abode uh, on them, but also an investment. And investments like this will not lose its value, even if you will work in the province. Uh, and they may offer those places that they will vacate uh, for rent. And they they will uh, they will actually earn money by renting them to other people. So, uh, Lord willing, and if the pandemic is not is not here anymore, I think uh, there are a lot of uses, not necessarily losing a lot if you go to the provinces. Actually, you can you can do a lot if you have a, a investment like condos, townhouses or even lands in Metro Manila but by, for example, selling them or uh, by renting them or uh, by uh, reserving them for for your children who may, who may qualify as students in Metro Manila 
in the future. Oh, sorry. Um, I think uh, there's a miscom between us in terms of the question. Sorry, what I meant was, um, let's assume that the landowners of these properties are from Metro Manila and their tenants were from the province. So since you know these tenants who are from the province will leave, um, these condos and such will be empty because their tenants are no longer there because they're from the province. So my question was, how do you help the landlords in terms of the money that they will lose since they lost their tenants? Well, uh, it is not. It is a question of opportunity cost. No? Uh, well, people, uh, that is a necessary necessary result of uh, you know development. Uh, but I don't think. No, I have no doubt that uh, even if their tenants uh, will go to other premises, some will take over also. You know, uh, we cannot. Uh, we cannot do a lot of things for these uh, private individuals, but uh, that is unnecessary. You know, you sometimes you gain, sometimes you lose. That that is the price of development. Okay, so all right, that, that's your answer to that. All right, so the next thing I want to ask you is about is about the environment, right? So in the Philippines, we've lost you know a lot of trees. Uh, we have a lot of pollution here and things like that, right? So in terms of the cutting down of trees, we've noticed that many trees are being cut down, but not a lot are being planted in its place, right? So I want to ask, do you have a plan for this in terms of saving the environment in the Philippines? We have already uh, in place the... Uh, illegal lagging act no? uh, but the problem uh, are the politicians the politicians are the illegal laggers themselves no? especially uh, the northern Luzon, uh cagayan sabela we have a lot of illegal laggers no even uh, if uh, even in the presence of uh, illegal lagging act and even with the penalties involved uh, they still do a lot of illegal lagging every day now we will uh, be strict in our enforcement no? we will put harsh measures uh, to those who violate the illegal logging act uh, and also uh, we will uh, we will ask the uh, uh, to take a, we will ask the big corporations to take advantage of the corporate social responsibility that like uh, uh, reforestation uh, and we will ask uh, every college, high school and college student to, uh, to plant a tree. At least, uh, at least 20 trees every year uh, for their project. We did that uh, when we are in first two years of college. Uh, and you, you have your name in that particular tree. And these trees uh, have grown up uh, and some are, uh, some uh, are mangoes, some tall, uh, and we gain a lot in the provinces, but you know, uh, a lot of administrations they have uh, they have uh, closed their eyes intentionally with these illegal loggers. Now uh, we have to be strict, no? Uh, if necessary, to well, uh, we necessarily that we have to imprison them, especially the politicians, politicians in the north and also in Bicol. They are the ones that are uh, that are the mastermind in illegal logging because they have, uh, they you know they have a, a lot of trading 
a lot of uh, secret illegal logging in these places. You know, if you will look uh, uh, in the place of Cagayan and also Isabela, uh, a lot of places that are already bald. There are no more trees, and and yet people are not uh, are not uh, planting trees. So we have to be strict in this kind of uh, situation. Okay. Um, in terms of the Pasig River, I think that's the biggest eyesore when it comes to the environment in the Philippines, right? Uh, how would you handle the the cleaning and the restoration of the Pasig River? Well, very easy. I, I, of course, we will uh, we will uh, coordinate with the private sector in cleaning that. Uh, at the time of Noy Noy, it was done already. But again, it was uh, that those projects, uh, your piece of piece of program for passing was already uh, abandoned by President Duterte. Uh, we have to guard its ecology. We have to uh, prevent all, all sources of development because it will even more aggravate the situation in passing the Pasig River. That is the only living river that we have and it is all already a dying one so we will devote a lot of efforts uh public and private partnership uh we will do in cleaning that kind of uh, uh project also the possibility we have to re rehabilitate that because it co uh like now it is causing a lot of diseases infectious diseases it is a breeding ground for uh mosquitoes that's why when it rains, a lot of dengue uh, are coming from that area, the Rizal area. Okay. Um, the next thing I want to talk about uh, very, well, as quickly as possible is criminality. So how do you view criminality here in the Philippines? In the sense that, like what you mentioned, there's corruption, whether it's from politicians or from, you know, even the lowest rank um, government officials and all of these things. But in terms of like the punishments and stuff, we do have a lot of laws. In the Philippines, you have a lot of laws when it comes to criminality and all these things. But you've mentioned that you know our laws are just not being enforced properly, right? So my question is, what would the president Montemayor do so that you know these laws will be enforced? Do we just enforce them harder? Do we change the laws? Um there. So go ahead. We have a lot of laws in place and they are good laws. The problem is implementation. We have a corrupt police force. Uh, even with the standing warrant of arrest, uh, they're very timid, especially if uh, if they were given money in arresting people, especially politicians. Now, if you have a good, good police, uh, 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 they will file this case at the prosecutor level. And you have also corrupt fiscal. So the 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 uh, the kind of the complaint will uh, you know will will just be there for a long long time until people are no longer interested in finding a case. But if you had good fiscal or prosecutor, uh, the fiscal will file it at the judge level, court level. But if you have a corrupt judge, then then not nothing will no, not nothing can be done on that. You have good, uh, especially at the ombudsman level. Uh, you have a lot of corrupt politicians. 
uh, they will just delay the case. They will just uh, give money to the lawyers uh, who are involved. So we have a very grim uh, justice system in the Philippines. Very sad. Uh, we have good laws. They are watertight laws. But uh, if the people who will implement this uh, and no, uh, are only there to uh, to be given money and to be corrupt, then nothing will happen. So what we will do is to fix this, expel those uh, fiscal, prosecutors, pol police uh, who are not doing their job, uh, those who are known corrupt, those who are pending, who pending cases, uh, they should be disciplined right away. So in terms of that, so for you, it's more about consistency of enforcement than changing the laws themselves, right? Is that a fair summary? Yes, yes, that's it. You know, uh, the the problem in the Philippines is uh, influencing, you know, uh, compare system, compare system, kaibigan, kapartido, you know, uh, a lot of influence is going on, even at the start of filing a case. So I have seen this in my practice as a lawyer also. Okay, understood. Now, when it comes to, you did mention that we have a lot of good laws, right? Could you mention maybe just one uh, for people who aren't very familiar with law in the Philippines? Well, is, we have uh, anti-graft and corrupt practices in, uh, and also ethical standards of public officials in the Philippines. Those are two good laws uh, that can be, uh, you know, uh, these, are, these are watertight laws, but still, uh, the uh, some politicians find uh, loopholes to uh, escape uh, liability. All right, understood. So the next question I want to get to is, so this is more on the societal side, all right? So the first question is, uh, because obviously in the Philippines, right, we have laws protecting um, freedom of religion, right? Let's say um, certain religions have their own beliefs and the government will not force anything on them, right? Because it's freedom of belief in that sense. Uh, so here's my question to you. We're only talking about the government, all right? The civil side. We're not going to include religion of any kind in this question, okay? So the question is, would you support a same-sex civil union in just the government side? No religion side, just government only. Well, for now, I will not, no? Civil union or same-sex marriage, no. You know, uh, I told the LGBT, the, the LGBT crowd, that uh, our own family code uh, limited marriage because uh, the kind of marriage that the family code uh, uh, instilled in us, no? uh, marriage, the definition of marriage, is a special contract of a special union between a man and a woman. So we have to follow the law. I told them, unless and until you change that, then we have to stick on that. Uh, the law may be hard, but it's still the law. Okay, so here's my question now. So let's say that, um, for example, let's say before you become, let's say you, you went for president, right? But you're not yet president, but you won, right? And then suddenly Congress and Senate decides to just ratify that, remove that, and say, you know, we're open to civil union. So as president, for example, when you sit down, there already is civil union. 
you will not try anything to you know to remove it i mean since it's there and since it's a new law you'll just allow it to happen is that what would happen well i am not uh, a legislator legislator uh, although yeah. i am an executive, I, I am the top executive uh if that is the case then we have to follow the law uh okay. you, you know <laughs> uh i i am only uh the top executive but uh, in those kind of cases where the the government itself no, meaning even the legislator legislators uh they have put in place that kind of law then uh probably uh well we have to follow yeah. that okay so i want to ask you um doc joe you know because you and mr david one of your you know one of your lines for your campaign is progression right you guys want to become the progressive choice of people that you know stop voting for people who are part of dynasties people who have been politicians for like what decades and things like that right so just talk about pure progression right or the progressive movement right so the question is um because i do understand that based on what i've heard from you and you may correct me if i'm wrong you're somewhat of a constitutionalist in the sense that you want to follow what the law is right is that a fair assumption yes 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 okay sure okay i just want to make sure that you know i'm not trying to change anything about you know that's why i want to confirm these things okay so here's my question so there are times wherein you know the law is the law right sometimes we have laws that are very old sometimes the law may not be uh practical in the kinds of times that we live in for example right um, but of course, there are some laws that are timeless, like anti-graft and corruption. I mean, obviously, those are timeless. But there are some laws wherein maybe it's time to change those laws. So my question is, since you guys are saying that we are the progressive choice, you know, we want to make the Philippines great. We want, you know, everyone to, to live prosperously, to be happy, uh, and all of these things. My question to you is, is it Diff, is it can you still be like that and yet be 100 percent a constitutionalist yes uh for example uh the kind of international development that we have is is different now from what was uh 20 or 50 years ago uh being progressive is that you are op open to amending or even revising the constitution to uh to be uh, in hand uh, with what the, the kind of development. For example, uh, the Constitution does not allow uh, nuclear, uh, nuclear uh, power, you know, nuclear arms. But if we will be in the future in the kind of situation, like for example, there are a lot of external threats, then if it is necessary to evolve in that kind of uh, security sphere, then why not? I am also open for development. But for now, uh, it may not be necessary. Uh, so that progress, even, even progressive thinking, has its own place also. Okay. But at the end of the day, uh, okay, how about this? Let me ask you a few more questions, then I'll kind of put them all into one big question. Is that okay with you? Yes. All right. Sure. So the next thing I want to ask you is, so when it comes to civil union, for now it's a no, but if Senate and Congress decide to pass it and you're president, you'll let it be. Now here's my next question. Uh, currently there's an anti-LGBT discrimination law 
um, that is not yet a law. Sorry, it's still a bill. I'll correct myself on that. Uh, it still hasn't been passed yet to you know to become a law. But my question to you is, would you support it uh, and say, you know, it's time to pass this bill and make it a law, the anti-LGBT discrimination bill? Well, for now, because uh, be, uh, for now, uh, I am not ready yet to support it. Okay. Yes. Uh, I may I ask you why, sir? May I ask well, you why? Uh, because... Uh, well, there are a lot of discrimination. There, there are discrimination, uh, of course, that were being experienced by uh, by the LGBT. Even even uh, indigenous people, there are also discrimination. Even you know, even people who are poor, they also suffer from discrimination. Uh, even mental in, in the Philippines, even mental patients, uh, they have they have been discriminated. But uh, to to make it uh, a specific uh, law that only the LGBT uh, are the one pointed out, then uh, I don't think that will sit well with me for now. But uh, I mentioned a while ago that if, uh, for example, some laws will be will be transformed now, some bills uh, will now be transformed into law, like divorce, uh, then divorce, LGBT, then the president must be first of all. Okay. So personally, you wouldn't support it, but if it happens, you won't prevent it from happening. Oh, like you'll just let it run its course. All yes. right, understood. But may I just ask though, uh, before we move on, when it comes to the, what if instead of an anti-LGBT discrimination law, what if they make it a, a general anti-discrimination law for everyone? Yes, I am. Well, yes, if it is a general one, I will support it. All right. No, sorry. I just wanted to get that yes. out of the way. All right. Uh, the next one I want to ask you is, yeah, actually, the next one is about divorce. Would you support the divorce bill? Uh, at this point in time, no. I am for the uh, family. Okay. So you would only support uh, the one in the church. Sorry, I forgot what you call it. Annulment. Yeah. So you're okay with annulment only. Well, yes, because there are specific grounds. Uh, by the way, divorce, I only support it on one ground, uh, okay. Immorality. Okay. immorality. Okay, so okay, so you would support the divorce bill if that's the only reason for divorce, immorality? Yes, yes. Okay, understood. All right, well, at least we got through that one. Okay, so the next thing I want to ask you is, so you are a doctor, right? And... Uh, there are a lot of studies about medical marijuana being, you know, great for some patients, right? People who hyperventilate or those who have seizures I'm when sorry. they take, sorry, yeah, but anyway, when they take um, CBD oil or maybe if they smoke it, they calm down, right? They calm down, they're able to, you know, the the medical people are able to inject whatever medicine is needed, you know, all these things, right? So there's a two-parter question, so let's go to the first part, Okay. Would you support the use of medical marijuana in the Philippines? Well, uh, no, at this time, uh, no. I, I, because there are other medicines that can uh, take the place of medical marijuana. No, you have barbiturates, you have, uh, uh, you have dormicum, which has the same effect. Uh, we have ribotril, uh, also a calming uh, medicine. So it, it is not 
because I am personally against no, medical marijuana. But because there are other medicines or drugs that can take the place of medical marijuana. Okay. So may I ask though, uh, uh, Dr. Joey, no? so you mentioned that these other medicines, I, I can't remember their names because they're too uh, medicine for me. But uh, because the thing is, so far, so far with the study, marijuana doesn't negatively affect the body. For me- We're just talking about medical marijuana, right? Um, it doesn't, there's no studies that saying that, oh, it will cause like, cancer or whatever, whatever. But the problem with people, uh, the problem is some people they feel that uh, when you take medicine, right? Because sometimes you just have a lot of illnesses. Maybe you're born with diabetes, hypertension. Of course, there's a lot of maintenance medicine for that, right? And sometimes when you take a lot of medicines, medicines you know hurt the liver or the kidneys. I'm not taking one of the two. Uh, so my question is, those other medicines that you mentioned that could take the place of uh, medical marijuana because you have to be calming and stuff. Are there studies for those medicines saying that those medicines, if you take them, you know, consistently, would affect, you know, any um, any part of your body, whether it's the liver or your stomach or things like that? Well, necessarily, yes. Uh, even, even medical marijuana, if you will take it consistently for a long, long time, it will also damage the liver. And also the reticuloendothelial system. That's that is what what is happening in some states in the United States. Uh, even those who are taking the place of marijuana, they have some effects also. No, uh, ribotril, you have dormicum, uh, and well, uh, some uh, are not the medical effects of marijuana per se, but uh, the uh, the planting of marijuana plants. You know, uh, the Philippines is one of the contributors of marijuana plants. You know, uh, if you are just strict, uh, the northern Luzon is some, uh, is uh, aside from, it is interspersed, the tobacco are interspersed with marijuana plants. If, if uh, police are discovering a lot of marijuana plants in the northern provinces. So I think uh, the Philippines has become a supplier also outside of the Latin American uh, nations. Okay, so I'm not, I don't really have any data about that, no, but okay, I understand. But here's the thing now. So you did mention that both medical marijuana and those other medicines do affect the livers over time, right? And if that's the case, if they are both um, giving the same effect, then why would you not um, support uh, medical marijuana if it comes out as the same right why not give more people options that for them maybe for them um sorry you meant did you mention rivotril as one of the medicines rivotril yes you saw rivotril sorry that's the one that i remember what if for example me personally i take rivotril which i don't but let's say i do then i feel like you know i don't really like it i would rather have other options than oh there's medical marijuana so i'm just wondering how come you don't want to support like freedom of choice in that sense? If in the end of the day, Aman, they all give those kinds of side effects. Well, the other problem, if you will, uh, if you will choose marijuana, is they cannot actually quantitate it. No? For example, you put it in a tablet. Uh, the problem uh, th- that that is the problem with marijuana. Unlike, for example, ribotrin, you can take it one fourth of the tablet. Some people in the Philippines are taking Ribotril one-fourth. But the problem uh, with Ribotril, no? 
not I'm not on the moral side of marijuana, but uh, the scientific side. No, uh, it is very hard for marijuana to quantity. You do not know how much is necessary for people who are suffering this. No, uh, please take note. I have, I have an open mind. No, uh, well, if Congress will legislate that, uh, because I know that uh, medical marijuana is also very important in those patients who have terminal cancer. Uh, yeah. Those who are suffering from, you know, liver cirrhosis, those who are suffering from cardiomyopathy, they, they need the calming effect. But the problem with uh, marijuana is that uh, they cannot really quant quantify it. And there are a lot of, there are many types of marijuana. You do not only, uh, they are high grade, they are low grade marijuana. And which will you use for such uh, for such condition? For example, lupus erythematosus, uh, systemic lupus erythematosus, or uh, or the lupus one. Uh, sometimes they suffer from a lot of pain. How much will you give? Unlike ribotril, you can start with uh, one fourth. Uh, for example, the patient is suffering from sleeplessness. Sometimes, of course, uh, hyperactive. Uh, individuals, uh, you may start with one fourth or one half, and then uh, grade this. But the problem with what marijuana is, uh, how will you know that uh, that kind of dosage is enough for that patient? Meaning, it is all open to abuse it. It is open for abuse, uh, especially in the Philippines. You know, the uh, the people in the Philippines they are, they have that uh, different attitude. Uh, for example, alcohol. Uh, you cannot, uh, you cannot tell them just drink one one bottle of beer. Uh, if you allow them to drink one bottle of beer, they will ask for two. They will ask for four. They will ask for one things. So uh, we have to explain that to others. But please uh, don't uh, take me uh, wrong. I'm open for developments in the future. Okay, so basically you're open-minded if you can see studies, I guess. Is yes. that a fair assumption? Okay, okay. Yes. So the next, the part two of that question is, how about for recreational marijuana? Um, first, okay, I'll, I'll make it a two-part question as well for that, okay? First is your personal, and second is if you become present. So let's go for personal first. Well, recreational, no, I am against that. No? Because, uh, you know, uh, we're... Uh, People have a lot of things to do uh, that are recreational. But making marijuana recreational is open to abuse it. No? Because, you know, we have a different attitude here in the Philippines. Uh, as president, of course, uh, you know, uh, when a particular thing is uh, vulnerable for abuse, then I will not allow it. So even if uh, Congress and Senate pass it, you would uh, veto it? Ah, yes, of course. Uh, I am open for that. If Congress and Senate will allow that. Ah, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let let me um rephrase. So you'd be open to it if legislation is passed for mar for uh, recreational marijuana. Like you would allow it to happen. Yes, yes. Okay. Whether it's uh, me medical use or recre recreational but, use, but like it's if it is already passed. Uh, yeah. Legislation that then uh, as president, uh, I have to follow them. 
Okay. So I'm curious though, um, would there be any legislation you would use your veto power for? Because of course, as president, you have veto power, right? Um, maybe just think of one. Maybe just give us one legislation you would use your veto power on. Well, increasing the tax of the, well, directly or indirectly affecting the poor. Okay. So maybe raising of taxes, things like that. But it affects the poor, automatic veto for you. Okay. Yes. Understood. All right. So let's go to the second to the last category, which is on religion. So I know you're very open about religion. Uh, please correct me if I'm. I think you are Catholic, right? No, I'm. I am a Christian. Oh, Christian. Okay. Yes. My apologies. All right. So my first question to you would be: If you win as president, would you allow your religious beliefs to be a major fact uh, factor in the decisions that you'd be making as president? Well, yes, yes, because, uh, you know, my religion, being Christian, it speaks more of love, compassion, care also. So I, I will allow it to influence me in my decision-making as president because the, these are uh, important values, the love of God, uh, the love for our fellow men, uh, the concern for the poor. Uh, those are Christ-like attitudes. Okay. So may I ask, uh, and I'll try to kind of bring back a past question to ask this question. So you mentioned love, compassion, etc., right? So is that why you said that when it comes to, let's say, civil union, anti-discrimination, uh, etc., if it passes as law, you won't veto it because, you know, it's passed as law. So is it more of because it is a law or is it because of your religion in the sense that you should love your fellow man no matter even if they're sinners and all these things yeah uh, well if it becomes a law then i have to follow it yeah sorry sorry the question is more on is it because it's a law or because of your religion that you won't veto it that, well that uh, i i love also people who are uh in the lgbt crowd no uh, i also love them uh i also have compassion on them because uh, some people who are in the LGBT are also experiencing discrimination. Uh, also concern for them. Now, for example, uh, I will, even at the start, even without passing the uh, LGBT uh, law, I will uh, propose to all barangay and also to all local LGUs to, uh, to have that third uh, toilet, no, male, female, and those who be, belong to LGBT. So I, I will uh, put a stop on discrimination directly or indirectly, indirectly putting infrastructure to uh, accommodate them and also probably also give them the necessary uh, budget. Also, for example, healthcare. They, they, they have some form of diseases with which for example, uh, AIDS is rampant. No? I have to give them, I have to care for them. I have to, uh, we have to buy drugs for them. So uh, I will uh, put a, a put uh, in place some measures that will protect them, not only against discrimination, but also uh, regarding their health care. I have a lot of friends who are in the LGBT category. Okay, so you'd be open to genderless bathrooms in that sense. Pardon? 
sorry, you'd be open to genderless bathrooms because you mentioned yes. bathrooms for yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. yes. So I just wanted to um confirm that also. Okay, got it. Understood. Okay. Now the next thing I want to ask you, part of the religion category is uh how about the other citizens in the country who are not of your faith right of course we have many faiths here in the philippines right not just christianity or catholicism uh so who are not of your faith how could you reassure them that you would still keep their best interests because again you know each religion has their own set of beliefs their own set of morals values etc so yeah go ahead well all religions they have one common denominator no? uh love no, I have to love them also. Uh, well, I will consider them enemies because even the Muslims, Catholics, Christians, Baptists, uh, they all emphasize love. No, love uh, that is uh, equip uh, that is the same for all, whether you are straight, you are not straight. Uh, well, uh, you have to, you know, Christ is love. God is love. So I will consider all of them, and I I want to uh, place them also in my cabinet. No, uh, different types of people will be in my cabinet. Cabinet uh, as uh, when if Lord willing I will become president. Uh, I see to it there is an LGBT also in the uh, because there are a lot of uh, uh, I I have a lot of classmates before who are brilliant writers. No, Danton uh, Remoto is a uh, internationally uh, brilliant uh, writer. Um, uh, a lot of uh, I have friends, uh, Muslim friends. Uh, some are doctors who can be secretary of health. Some are, uh, you know, Baptists who, uh, who can be in the so, uh, social welfare or probably, yes, uh, we will be equal to all people, to all kinds of religion. And we will treat them fairly and equally. All right. So the next thing I want to ask you, Doc Joey. So we're in the last category. So thank you for you know continuing on and all these things. So, so earlier in, you mentioned that uh, you believe that the president should be smart, right? Because of course, to being a lawyer and a doctor, you can't be stupid to be both. I mean, to even to be one, you can't be stupid, right? You have to be smart. So I know. So my assumption is you value intelligence. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. So okay. So my question to you is: aside from intelligence, what are other good traits to being a good president? Well, you have to be morally fit. You know, you have you have to have a love to your fellow man. No? You know, you can be intelligent, but uh, you can be arrogant to people. Uh, you you may be intelligent, but you are disregarding equality of all your fellow men. You you may be brilliant, but you are harsh on drug addicts. <laughs> uh, you can be brilliant. You know, uh, it's not only being smart; it's being intelligent in the academe. Uh, the most important thing is your attitude to to your constituents. Uh, are you kind to them? Are you? Uh, what is your attitude when disaster strikes? You know, uh, how will you deal with money? Uh, will you be reserving for you for yourself uh, in your retirement, or will you be giving all for the benefit of your fellow men? So uh, the most important thing is not uh, 
actually intelligence, but your concern to your constituents, uh, your love uh, as you practice your being executive, chief executive. Uh, you know, it is uh, it is only one category to be uh, well versed in health, law, uh, and economics, or many more. But there are other factors that uh, that is important, more important than being intelligence. For example, how do you deal with poor people? For example, the increase in oil prices. Some 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 executives are numb as far as the suffering of their people. But I will take necessary measures, immediate measures, to alleviate at least, uh, at least uh, decrease their suffering. Okay, so to sum it up, it's intelligence, love, uh, and compassion. Is that is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now the next thing I want to ask you is, so of course you're running with ten other people so far. No one so far has dropped out yet. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, from the current lot, of course, not including yourself, right? So the nine other candidates, who nine other candidates, or sorry, who from the nine candidates are you open to giving cabinet positions to? Like, well, let's say you went for president. I and, will you know, give a cabinet position to Lenny Bredo. I'm sorry, uh, I'll cut you off. Aside from you know saying that you'd give them a cabinet position, could you also specify what position as well? So DSW, Social Welfare and Development. Lenny Robredo. the other the others, no. No. Oh, so just Lenny. Just Lenny. Because the others are already old. I want young people also. I want dynamic people, those in the category 30 plus. Uh, I do not want uh, people who are already retired. Uh, they have nothing to do anymore. No? We, because four, of our, four or five of the candidates are already old. Uh, so I will not give any more. I will not uh, burden them anymore with a cabinet position. I want them to, uh, to retire properly. Okay. Um, so aside from, so because you mentioned that you don't want to give it to old people, right? Um, positions, right? So you're only open to Lenny. But if you don't mind me asking, uh, Doc Joey, uh, Manny Pacquiao and Esco are both under 50 years old. So if it's okay for me to ask, why aren't you open to giving them cabinet positions? Well, uh, they lack uh, education. Uh, you know, uh, being a cabinet secretary entails, entails a lot of, uh, you know, uh, intelligence also because you are the alter ego of the president so i don't think uh, money you know even the the uh, education and sports or even sports uh you get because that is a managerial uh, capability so he may be a boxer but he cannot be a good manager as far as chief of our sports uh, well it's called I think he's just a high school graduate. And he may be competent uh, in other fields, but not in the cabinet, but not in the cabinet position. I, I don't think there is, a, there is a, a cabinet position suited for him. But I'm not against these people. I'm not against. Yeah, yeah, yeah understood. Yeah, but actually, uh, Dr. if I could just correct you, uh, Esco did uh, finish college, uh, but I no, think he finished no, later. He did not. 
is it i will not elaborate no uh it yeah sure sure yeah okay sure okay we'll just leave it at that then. okay all right so the next thing i want to ask you is uh so as you know right so let's assume you went for president right so you're in president now let's just put some facts here okay um there are lots of echo chambers on social media you know you can name it facebook twitter instagram wherein they don't believe in science they don't believe in facts and all these things so fake news right i mean uh this may sound like a silly question to you uh dr Joey, but we do know about the flat earth society right yeah, so, my, so the flat earth society is a group of people who believe that the earth is flat that it's not round so i know it's not related but may i ask you do you believe the earth is round or flat it is round okay good now the so these group of people for some reason they you know have pseudoscience experiments trying to prove that the earth is flat and all these things and i mean you know when you look at um news channels about it when you do research it's very ridiculous what they see right because they don't want to believe in science so basically my question to you doc joey is when you are if you do become president of the philippines and you see these kinds of fake news spreading around right how would you combat fake news as president of the philippines well uh you know there's no perfect society the opening of uh, internet uh, and the sprouting of all kinds of news uh truth truth fact-based news uh fact-based news false news you know this is the this is the price that we have to pay you know uh if we will stamp this what we perceive as fake news maybe the truth or maybe it is maybe it's the fact-based news so uh what we will do is to well accept it as it is except of course those that injure other people meaning uh people are becoming uh wild because of those news uh but as you know as long as uh, uh, as long as it does not uh result in for example injuries or maltreatment or probably well uh, i am for decriminalizing libel no? because you know this is the price that we have to pay uh false news uh news that are uh that are not relevant news that are relevant to uh fact-based news scientific news uh unscientific no all of these are the prices that we have to pay in our development and we will expect more of this here in the near future um so the only time you'd stop it is if it causes harm to people right that, i mean that's basically yes for example said. they committed libel uh but not to the point of increase uh, of uh criminalizing it now in the philippines uh we have to there's a criminal aspect of libel i was uh, asked time and time again by all the networks if uh, i will stop the criminal as yes people uh, who, who may have offended other people because of publicity should not be jailed uh, should may, but uh, they may be allowed to pay damages money uh, to compensate those who are injured but to put them in prison you are actually restraining freedom of expression or freedom of the press 
But um, the argument would be there, Dr. Joey. Sorry, I, I just want to play devil's advocate, no? So, you know, I'm not trying to question you or anything. It's just more of let's play devil's advocate for this, okay? So you say that, you know, if someone commits libel, let's not put them in prison. Let's just simply say, oh, you pay X amount of money or whatever. But what if it's a serial libel person? Like he decides that, you know what? I, I'm such a rich person. You know, I could just continue paying fees. I can, you know, say falsehoods about Doc Joey, about his running mate, about Lenny, about all these people. So it's more about that. I see maybe that's why they, they criminal, uh, they, that they criminalize it to you know prevent stuff like that. So my question is, if you do um, decriminalize it and you have a serial libel person, sorry, I'm not really sure what they call that, um, what would be the punishment then? Well, uh, you know, we have also in our laws what we call habituality and reiteration. If a, if a crime is being repeated, uh, like over and over again frequently yeah. then uh, the kind of damages that you will have is uh uh it may not be imprisonment but you know a lot of money and also uh confiscation for example you have you have a printing business publication business that is uh that can be also not only money but uh, also other forms of uh, of punishment like confiscation of your uh, of your company or of your printing business or your publication business uh, that may be related to the libel or to the slander. Okay, so with that one, you would rather, you know, get rid of their business or confiscate it rather than just simply put them in jail for like a month or yes, so? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, all right, I'll just leave that at that. Okay, so aside from that one, the next thing I want to ask you is, if you weren't running for president, so let's say you know you decided you know I don't want to run yet, you know let's just say you're an ordinary citizen, okay, you're not a candidate, and you only have those nine candidates that we know, right, the ones that are running right now. Um, is there anyone there you would vote for, from those nine candidates? None, because I am looking for one who is knowledgeable in health uh none of them is a doctor so i will not uh, i i may not vote for president okay but of course you'd still vote for your running mate obviously yes. uh, for, yeah okay so <laughs> all right so okay i got that one now the last question i want to ask you mr uh doc joey before we let you go no and such is let's just say you know what um unfortunately you don't win for president right and you know you're not president you don't win what is next for doctor like what will you do after because of course the campaign invested so much aside from money of course you invested time emotion energy all of that right and i'm sure um for those who don't win in the past right the ones who didn't win in the past but you feel bad for maybe a few days or something like that. so after that period what is next well, uh, uh, I do two to four times uh, medical missions every week. Sometimes twice. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, the maximum is four times. I do a lot of medical mission in the poor areas. Then I I, I also practice law, more of charitable work, pro bono. We call it pro bono practice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like wh uh, what I did this uh, this morning and afternoon. I did a lot of uh, legal work uh, for charity only, 
for poor people who cannot afford a lawyer. Uh, yeah. I will just continue that. I will. I wish to serve people uh, who are uh, who are poor, who are, uh, who are uh, you know they cannot uh, they cannot have a lawyer. Uh, I still go to prison uh, because I, aside from preaching the word of God uh, in the prison, I also do some medical missions and also uh, and also legal work for the prisoners. Uh, almost every week I go to, well, uh, different prisons uh, all over the, all over the zone. Uh, yes, I will continue doing that. Uh, and, you know, we can serve people not only in the capacity as president, but also in our own little way of performing our job as my job as a doctor and a lawyer. I also teach in other uh, University of the Philippines, uh, San Beda, public schools, private schools. So I will just continue doing that. Okay. Sorry, before we uh, let you go, uh, Doctor, I just wanted to, you know, thank you for being here and for you know, thank going you. through all of, all of these questions. It, it's been very enlightening, you know, talking to you, even with, with the rough start, but I'm glad that, you know, we're able to go through everything and such. So thank you so much, sir. I mean, it's been more than two hours, but thank you for, you know, being patient. Thank and, you very much. Also, you know, I have, I have, uh, I have a lot of cousins who, uh, who Aguas in Pampanga. Sasmuan Pampanga, Sasmuan Pampanga. I have cousins, uh, for example, Rowena Aguas. I have lot, lots of, uh, and also in Chicago, uh, also. Okay. Uh, well, well, actually, from my understanding from my parents, uh, the Aguases are a very small clan, so we're all related. But yes. uh, I think those people that you may know may be a bit distant, you know, cousins or distant uncles and aunts. But yeah, um, Pampanga is where my dad's roots are from. I just forgot where, sorry, because I haven't been to Pampanga in such a long but time. You are, you are based where? You are based in the United States? You are based no, I'm based here in, in the Philippines. So oh, it's it's 10.50 p.m. here, and I assume also where you are. So yeah, but yeah, Doc Joey, um, you know, it's been it's been great chatting with you. Uh thank you so much, sir, for being thank here. Thank you, also. You go. Um, I'm sure there are many people out there who will because of course we're live on Facebook, but then the next day this will be on Spotify. So, you know, I have listeners there as well. And you know, for sure, um, they do have a lot of questions that they may want to ask you. Yes. Uh so where could they um contact you? Because I know how to contact you, but of course I want you to tell them where they could contact you. So yeah, please go ahead. Well, I have a, a cell number, zero nine zero five. I think it's better if we do um like pages, not like personal oh, numbers. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh <laughs> my, my page, my official page is yeah. Doctor <laughs> Doctor and Attorney Joey Montemayor. Okay. So yes, is that the only place where they could message you, you know, maybe ask for other platforms? Well, uh, uh, messenger, uh, Joey Montemayor in my messenger. Yes. All right. Well, um, Doc Joey, again, sir, thank you so much. Uh, thank you also. hear from you. Uh, Iglap will be back next week. So for our viewers, thank you again so much for being here, Doc Joey. Thank you so much. I do wish you luck in the campaign. I know it's going to be very tough, you know, once it gets near and near to the elections, but I wish you all the luck. I wish also uh, Mr. David all of the luck as well. He was a great guest as well. 
Thank you again, everyone. Stay safe and take care.